0: You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan, FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com.
1: It's time for the Winning Way Podcast, presented by Global Leader Group and featuring interviews with today's winners in the fields of sports, business, and entertainment. Here's Cassius F. Butts with The Winning Way. Welcome back to another episode with The Winning Way with Cassius F. Butts. We are very excited today. We have uh, a very special guest today, uh, someone who I think very highly of, someone who is a power player uh, in the office and outside the office, uh, within the the Atlanta community and really the country for this matter. Uh, She is someone who I think you're going to be really, really interested in hearing her story. This is none other than Katie Kirkpatrick, the president and CEO of the Metro Atlanta Chamber of Commerce. Katie, welcome.
2: Thank you, Cassius. I appreciate the opportunity to have a conversation today.
1: Well, we're always glad to be here with you today. Also want to let you know what we are glad that we uh, this episode is brought today by Global Leader Group, uh, where we inspire leaders to live and lead deliberately. Katie, can't wait to hear this exciting story that I know a little bit about but you're going to tell us a whole lot more about today. So we'll just jump right in. Um, You know, with our standard, you know, we try to look at something that's simple, and it's really just telling us a little bit about yourself. Um, Where were you born? How'd you get to Atlanta?
2: That's, I asked Cassius when we started this conversation how much time he had because sure. I've got um, not necessarily a long story, but one that kind of travels um, mm-hmm. between Alabama and Georgia. So I was born in Auburn, Alabama, All right. and you'll you'll hear me re, you know get back to Auburn here shortly, but lived in Alabama for about 18 months and then we moved to Atlanta. okay. But we were not here for very long. We were only here for maybe two, three years, and then we moved to South Georgia to a city called Valdosta, Georgia, Yep. Wintersville, USA. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so if you love high school football or anything around football, you learn that Valdosta High School, Wildcats, which yes. was where I went to high school, um, you learn much about that sport um, there. So anyway, lived there for about 10 years. And then moved back up to Atlanta and finished school in East Cobb and then ended up going to Auburn um, for my, you know, undergraduate degree. Uh, and actually, this is why it's fascinating. I'm a civil engineer. Wow. With, with my professional engineer's license in right. environmental engineering, mm-hmm. um, but didn't like it.
1: No, uh, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a, it's a <laughs> lot going into civil engineering, Katie. I mean, that's like building stuff, right?
2: Well, building, designing, you know, really thinking about how to solve problems.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And Cassius, um, kind of one of those moments in my life, I remember I was a junior in college and I was sitting in a group uh, of all men. And at college where? Auburn. At Auburn. Okay, yep. I
1: to reiterate, yep.
2: And so sitting in a room full of men, which by the way, as a young woman, not a bad place to find a date.
1: Sure. <laughs> um,
2: but sitting there and realizing this is not. Like this isn't doesn't match with what my skill set is, sure. which is building relationships, um, being kind of outwardly focused, thinking about community good. Okay. And I called my dad. Yeah. And I said, you know, I'm gonna quit engineering school. Uh oh. And he said, Well, why? Uh-huh. And I said, Well, you know, all these reasons. And he then ultimately um, said, He said, Well, you have two choices. Mm-hmm. He said, one, you can you can quit and you can start a new track. It's going to take you a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Um, you are not guaranteed any success in that path because right. I didn't have a path. Okay. I just knew I wasn't going to do engineering. Right. He said, or you can finish out your engineering degree and realize that the skills that you've learned through engineering school, which is primarily problem solving, mm-hmm. can be applied across many, many disciplines. And I probably said it in way more words than he did. It was basically <laughs> like stay or go.
1: Right, right. Um,
2: anyway, so it was very wise counsel, and I stayed and stuck it out, and then was lucky enough to go work for an agri-services company that was located here in Atlanta. Okay. No longer exists. No longer exists, all right. Um, but uh, primarily was a poultry company.
1: Okay.
2: So my background is actually in agriculture and um, food. Wow. I know. Wow. Wow.
1: I never knew that.
2: I know. A wow. lot of people don't realize that. <laughs> and so did environmental health and safety for 10, 11 years- but what I really learned through that process was how to communicate, okay. how to distill a very complex problem mm-hmm. into a simple conversation so that we could solve problems when with diversity of um, ideas and opinions in the room, mm-hmm. right, instead of talking that wonk. Right. Uh, and then also learned a love of working kind of in the public space. Okay. Um, the The company had given me that opportunity, and so- I ultimately landed at the Metro Atlanta Chamber okay. yep. doing environmental public policy.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And then I've been there about 14 and a half years and worked my way um, to president and CEO.
1: But th- th- I was going to say, now, being at Metro Chamber, I like to refer to it that, you know, we have the municipal and government that runs our society. But the Metro Chamber, I mean, you are mm. the, the lifeblood for business, mm. not just small, medium, but large businesses. Let our listeners know about Metro Chamber.
2: Yeah, so the Metro Atlanta Chamber is 162 years young, Mm -hmm. so founded in 1859, so I guess we're approaching 163, uh, by a number of businessmen that said, Atlanta is the terminus Mm -hmm. of a number of railroads, and we should be getting the investment in Atlanta from manufacturing facilities. And so how do we collectively go and market the area to the north? Right. Because that's where all the barons were and all the investment dollars were. And that's really what started the Metro Atlanta Chamber. And so over the last 160-plus years, we've been grounded in a couple of things. First is economic development. Yes. So how do we actually support businesses that are starting here? Mm-hmm. How do we support businesses that are looking to expand? And then, of course, what's sexy and gets the headlines is recruiting names and big companies to move here.
1: Right, right.
2: But ultimately what that translates into is how do we make the ecosystem, the business climate work for our business community here so that they can prosper, so that they can grow And quite Mm -hmm. honestly, so that they can provide jobs and a quality of life to our citizens. So that's a big piece of who we are Mm -hmm. uh, and where we have a lot of influence. And we can talk about the companies, et cetera. Um, But there's two other pieces to what the chamber does. And I think this is really important. The second piece, which is fundamentally my background, which is public policy and advocacy. How do we work with our government partners? How do we work local, state and federal to make sure that Mm -hmm. we are creating that business climate where everyone can thrive. And that ranges from education to workforce to infrastructure to tax and regulatory. And, and we have subject matter experts that work on all of that. So
1: you're, you're building literally, you're doing really Katie, what your father said he yeah. were seeing out to do. You're building, I mean, you're building relationships yeah. and you're building relationships uh, for the betterment really of society. I mean, not to yeah. sound very ambiguous, but there's also another piece that's, Uh, critically involved with that because you will even have a sports segment. Sports and entertainment, right? Yeah. I mean, Atlanta is like part of the mecca of really coming to sports and entertainment for the country right now, right?
2: It is. And I'm glad you brought up the Atlanta Sports Council, which is led by Dan Corso. He's Mm -hmm. the president, but they're part of the Metro Atlanta Chamber. They actually are part of our third pillar by which we work, which is promote. How do we tell the story of the Atlanta region to the world mm-hmm. to the nation and quite honestly ourselves yeah. sometimes we forget what we're about and sports plays a very pivotal and quite honestly large stage in telling that story right and so um, I am a sports nut yes. so <laughs> that is part of the attractiveness <laughs> of the job as well is that I get to work with Dan and his team on recruiting these major sporting events to come to the state of Georgia mm-hmm. uh, to Metro Atlanta Which allows Georgia and the state, uh, Georgia and the the region to really amplify what's great here. And for everyone to see that, so that when we're marketing and selling this region, um, folks can see it firsthand on a screen on a digital screen mm-hmm. on social media channels there's so many opportunities now so it's an exciting time and i'd be remiss if i didn't mention the Braves
1: yes i mean right? they did something pretty special uh, a couple weeks ago well actually a couple months ago now right so
2: right so to have the Braves play in the world series and the the run up to the world series really created an interesting moment for this community which was putting us on a world stage yeah and letting the world see enthusiasm, the diversity that we have here, yes, uh, and the sense of community and I think that's really important and what sets us apart from others is there is a real commitment to civic engagement and community here mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. here being the region and just a, a deep love and passion for what we do.
1: Katie you're you, you really a pioneer in a lot of different ways because to your point you had you're a sports enthusiast, mm-hmm. uh, engineered by trade, um, you're building relationships and also, you've kind of taken a little bit of a different approach uh, on the advocacy side with yeah. the chamber most recently. Talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, and let me add one more role. I'm yes. also a mother. Yes,
1: you are. So don't forget <laughs> that. That is actually my first
2: um, my first job yeah. um, and the one where I hope I have the most success, quite yes. honestly. Yes. Um, yeah, advocacy has been something that I developed over about 20 years, learning about how to do that. And, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that you brought up that conversation with my father. Yeah. So relationships matter. Sure. And we have taken a very strong approach to being nonpartisan, mm-hmm. uh, building bridges, regardless of where you stand in the advocacy pyramid, mm-hmm. and then building those strong relationships and partnerships. We can't do anything alone. And I think that is a, a pivotal piece of leadership for us is partners doing things in a collective effort gives you more opportunity for success. Sure. If we only did it for our own edification,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I don't think we'd be as successful as we are. So we owe support and our success to the partners that we engage with and the relationships that we build. So mm-hmm. we have really kind of doubled down on that. Mm-hmm. And then the second, second piece is, is, I think traditionally a decade ago when we thought, thought about business climate We thought about it in the simple terms of education, infrastructure, regulations. Yes. Right? Yes. But the reality is, is community matters. And so we've Mm -hmm. taken a community first approach as well. And we think about the quality of life, Mm -hmm. access to to health care, access to education, access to transportation, Um, And access, of course, to jobs is super important here in this region. And Mm -hmm. so we try to overlay everything we do through that lens. And the last piece for us is also thinking about inclusivity. Yes. And making sure that we are helping all boats rise Mm -hmm. and that the economy works for everyone.
1: You know, Katie, you've really kind of have been in a place where you've taken your role and not really taken it on as just a job But it's almost, it's like a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you have subject matter experts when the media or different entities, Leadership Atlanta for, you know, may say, hey, we need to ask questions around the economy or questions around uh, business or questions around women's initiatives. They call you. They call your office, right? I mean, you get these calls like every day.
2: We do. And that is part of our remit, though, is to be a connector and a convener. Sure. And as well as problem solver. Mm -hmm. And so we strive to hire and maintain a professional staff that has subject matter expert expertise in a wide range of areas so that we can mobilize and we can impact, um, you know, issues of the day. So let me give you a couple of examples. Yesterday, we partnered with the Georgia Recording Academy and hosted um, the Georgia Music Cities Summit. Okay. And um, we had folks like L.A. Reid in our space and uh, a number of other influential names talking about what role the music industry plays here. So it's not just supply chain and advanced manufacturing. It is not just technology. Mm -hmm. We have an incredibly robust creative economy that is going on here in film, TV, uh, music, augmented reality. Um, It just the list goes on and on. And so We try to make sure that where we have strengths in Atlanta, we match up our staff to align with that so that we can be that subject matter expert in the room so that if there is an issue that needs to be solved, Mm -hmm. we can tackle it in partnership with the uh, other companies or nonprofits that are around us. One good example um, that many of the listeners may not be familiar with is back in 2007, Grady Hospital was on quite honestly the brink of going bankrupt sure, remember they were that. they were less than 60 days from going becoming insolvent and some business leaders got together and said this cannot happen in our community yeah. to lose our level one trauma care center as well as indigent care yes and this is just not acceptable so what can we do in partnering with community leaders and advocates um, to right the ship and get Grady going in the right direction. And that was a hard conversation to have. I'm sure it was. Right. So why do business leaders why why do you want to interject in something that really is a political and community-based issue? Mm-hmm. And the reality is is healthcare matters mm-hmm. in our region. Mm-hmm. There were some economics around sporting events. Yes. Many don't know that when you're bidding on a major sporting event, you have to have a level 1 trauma care center in your community. Mm-hmm. So if we had lost that, we would no longer be able to bid for Super Bowls and wow. World Cups and Final fours and those types of things. Um, but fundamentally, there was a belief that healthcare should be accessible by our community, and Grady served a very fundamental purpose. And so I'm pleased to say today that Grady is, um, I don't want to say they're in great shape because yeah. they've come through the pandemic and that sure. certainly had an impact. But what we have now is something so much stronger. And the community is better for it.
1: Well, you, you, you mentioned something, Katie, and really thank you for telling about the relationships of how the chamber is connected to places that people may have not realized how those connections mm-hmm. matter. Right? right. But you took on this role really probably at probably the toughest <laughs> time uh, in our country. I mean, the toughest, as you know, going through COVID was no easy task. And to come out to where you are today um, you know, I probably like to, to talk about, uh, you know, as you know sir, I serve on the Georgia Department of Economic mm-hmm. Board, and this is going on nine years in a row. Number one in the country for doing business uh, in the state of Georgia. A large part of that has to do with, with the way that you manage coming through a pandemic and helping to get those business leaders. I'll mention a couple of them, De- the Deltas of the world. We have UPS, so we have Home Depot, and so on and so on. You were able to galvanize those relationships and help us through the
0: You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com.
2: Yeah, I'd be remiss if I took credit for the success that our economy is having right now. Mm -hmm. Um, It really is an example of partnership. So our elected officials also led in partnership with our businesses that allowed Georgia, quite honestly, to lead the nation in ensuring that our economy stayed stable and also was poised for growth when the time was right. So this is not a singular action by me, but I will say um, in June of 2020, Mm -hmm. when I took the role of president and CEO, um, we were facing um, a social justice movement, Mm -hmm. economic uncertainty. And a public health crisis yes. and you had many in the business community you know looking at one another asking what does the future look like and how do I answer these questions that have never been asked before mm-hmm. we've never encountered it if you look in the hundred year history of businesses this is something extraordinary and something that you can't draw on past experience and, and prior knowledge and so the way that we engaged as an organization mm-hmm. Was we we sought out the, the the experts not within our own organization but nationally, right? And brought them in. Thankfully, <laughs> we had virtual technologies, right? Yes. So we could reach folks all over the country and provide real time input, information, assessments to our um, you know the business community. And we opened it up to anybody. Yeah. It didn't matter if you invested with us or not. We mm-hmm. thought the business community as a whole should have this access to information. So we did weekly, I think 23 weeks in a row, we hosted a weekly 90-minute show. Yeah. As people say, they're used to seeing me on a Zoom call. Right. They didn't <laughs> tell me that I was gonna be a, a TV host when I got the job. <laughs> and you know, so I think there was a real opportunity at the moment okay. for collective action. And we were able to be that spark of bringing folks yeah. together and say, okay, so how is how are we all handling vaccinations? Yes. How are we handling testing? How are you handling your supply chain that's being disrupted mm-hmm. um, by the virus? You know, how are you handling culture right. within your organizations right. um, when we're all living in a, in a virtual world? So there was a lot of conversation there. And then, of course, how do we keep the economy humming? Sure. And um, Georgia, to its credit, mm-hmm kept business moving That's right. and that set us up for great success. And I think if you talk to the business leaders here in this community, they're very thankful for it. Right. Uh, and they were able to continue to, to either stay stable mm-hmm. or accelerate growth. And that we're all being, um, we're the, it's the gift that we're all benefiting from right now.
1: And you mentioned uh, a part that um, I'd like to just expand on just a little bit because, you know, there is a lot of challenges. uh, When COVID hit to see whether we were going to keep business open and to Governor Kemp's credit, he Mm -hmm. kept Georgia open. He did. And uh, businesses were able to thrive. And and what many people do not know is that those were many uh, businesses of minority descent. Yes. Many women businesses, many businesses that people said, hey, we've got to pay our bills some kind of way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now the leadership that I love to see in place, because you are uh, in a place where you've seen Mayor Bottoms had to learn how to balance between the two. And it was a tough place. I mean, it's tough on everyone. So she deserves credit as well, too. But now you're in a place now where you have always been in a place, Katie, to, because of your prior role, uh, uh, before you were president CEO, to be on the policy side. To see what actually is needed to keep businesses thriving. And so now we have uh, Mayor Dickens. Mm-hmm. Governor Kemp, who's up for election uh, this year, you've always been able to keep stay right in between the two. And I think that's one reason we've been able to get along so well is that we may not be involved in politically, but we are always involved from a business perspective. Yeah. How do you how do you balance that? Very easily. Yeah.
2: Because the issues that are important to business doesn't doesn't change regardless of who's in the elected office. Yeah. It doesn't matter your party. Yes. Businesses care about a very strong, you know, and consistent regulatory and tax climate. Mm -hmm. They care about an educated workforce and they care about infrastructure. It doesn't matter where you sit. If you're a mayor a governor, a a county commissioner, Mm -hmm. those are the things that matter. And so that is how we approach our advocacy work is just staying in that very defined lane Mm -hmm and having conversations and bringing facts, quite honestly, forward <laughs> to make sure that we're doing
1: it right. So I'm gonna go back and, and, and give you something that you gave me at the be, uh, beginning uh-huh. of the conversation. And it's really going back to that conversation that you had with your father. Yeah. Building the relationships. Yeah. Uh, my father was a, an aerospace engineer, and it was very methodical. It's always was always building, and I used to think about how did that transition in today's time? You're doing that every day, right? Trust is important. Mm-hmm. And trust
2: is built when you build a relationship Mm -hmm. and so that is really a cornerstone of what we do if we say we're gonna do something Mm -hmm. we do it yeah if we are uncertain we're upfront about concerns or questions that we may have and I believe that gives us a level confidence when we're working with our elected officials and the work that we do but again we're at the moment riding a pretty good high here in Georgia. Um, we're creating. <laughs> I tell my economic development team, I don't know how they do it, right. um, but they do it in partnership mm-hmm. with the state and with folks like Georgia Power and our local economic development organizations. Yes, uh, we're 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 outpacing the nation in growth, mm-hmm. and so for us that translates into talking with elected officials, including the new mayor. Sure. And whoever's going to be our next governor, about how do we educate Mm -hmm. and build the pipeline from our K through twelve, our technical colleges, as well as our university system of Georgia? Mm -hmm. That is such a critical component Mm -hmm. because, and I'm going to give you a little bit of wonk here, Cassius, is that when you think about the labor force, it comes in three Ah, tranches. You've got immigration, Mm -hmm. which is challenging right now, just with The virus is challenging with the geopolitical landscape in Europe Mm -hmm. and a lot of things. So if you have a constrained immigration pipeline, then that means you only have two places to go for talent. First is in-migration. So that is not new talent. Right. That just means I'm saying, hey, New York, hey, Chicago, hey, Omaha, come here because we've got a great climate and we've got good jobs. Mm -hmm. And then the most important piece, though, is what what new talent are we producing Mm -hmm. And that is one of the strongest assets that the state of Georgia has in this region is our university system and our technical colleges. Right. So then you have to go up the pipeline and say, OK, well, then K through 12 has to be strong to feed the technical college and the university system. And my one last piece, and I'm sorry, I, I get, I'm very passionate oh, no, about By all means. Um, talent development, is that we need to normalize as well that a four-year degree is not for everyone and that there is dignity. And doing a trade or a skill, Uh, and you can also make a very good living Mm -hmm. doing something that may not require a two-year or four-year degree. You may need to do an apprenticeship. You may become an electrician, a plumber, Mm -hmm. um, construction, which is high high demand here, Um, and we need to make sure that folks understand that there is support and dignity in that. In
1: that role. So glad you mentioned that because I was going to uh, mention something a couple minutes ago uh, in terms of education. <clears throat> Excuse me. Particularly, um, you know, here in Georgia, you know, we've had some pretty unique positions. We, um, Atlanta Braves, National Championships. Go Braves. Go Braves. <laughs> <laughs> this one is going to sting just a little bit. University of Georgia.
2: Well, I can say go dogs now because my graduating senior in high school is going to the University go. of Georgia. All right,
1: so. there you go. All right, go dogs. All right, so national championship uh, winners for this, this past year, and so that brings a lot of business. So it does. To it brings a lot of attention, um, but it also brings a lot of stories and inspiration. And, and here's where I'm going with this. It also brings along a, a, a lot of content. Mm-hmm. Content means that more and more people are filming here in the state of Georgia. Can you talk about that in the jobs and opportunities are, are available just in around in the filmmaking business okay. itself? Because they're, they're, those are not always four-year degrees. Those are technical degrees. Those well, are, they
2: may, may not even require a degree. Mm-hmm. You might need a high school education and an apprenticeship yes. um, to be a carpenter, um, to build sets, those types of things. Absolutely. The yeah. creative industry has boomed here over the last decade Primarily because of the the film tax credit, yes, that it that was created under Governor Deal, yes, uh, and we have seen not only the creative content created here, but we've seen the infrastructure built here. So studios, post production, uh, you know, it's it's incredible between Trillith, Tyler Perry, mm-hmm. Black Hall, and I'm forgetting about forty eight others, <laughs> right. That, that the need, I mean, cr- you can look at it. Obviously, you have the talent that's on screen, mm-hmm. but you have lighting, you have sound, you have score production, mm-hmm. you've got craft services, you've got the set building, mm-hmm. you've um, got augmented reality and the digital experience yeah. that comes with it. And all of that is occurring here right now. Mm-hmm. So I believe right now, at least in the film industry, it's 100,000 plus jobs um, that have been created mm-hmm. as a direct result of the film industry. And I actually would say I think that's low because I don't think we're looking at the indirect impacts that happen. I think those are direct job numbers. Sure. And so you can look at a Braves organization Mm -hmm. and say, or Falcons, Hawks, Dream. Right. Who am I forgetting? United.
1: United, yep. Another championship team. Yep, Yep.
2: 2018, MLS Cup. Let's not forget the Hawks. You made it all the way to the conference championship last year. Yep. And so – you know, all of that content that they create, and by the way, their social media managers are fantastic, Oh yeah, very witty, um, but their digital channels is creating um, great promotion for the city and the state. Mm-hmm. And anytime that we do well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> how can you argue, right?
1: It, it, it's hard to argue that at all. Um, that's what I mean when I, when I said that the fun part about what you do is that <laughs> all that is under your umbrella. I mean, you get a chance to see, you know, when we're in challenging times, but you get a chance to fix it. You get to build relationships, whether it's in business, sports, media, entertainment. And, you know, the best part about it is is seeing these businesses flourish. Um, You know, I was going to say one of the last questions and we kind of want to lead to was, you know, what would you say are uh, your winning strategy that can kind of you can share with the listeners um, that People can adopt, uh, whether it's in the office or outside the yeah. office. What what is your winning strategy? What would you say it's something that people can take and build on to go into whatever avenue that may be yeah. important to them? Yeah,
2: yeah this is great because it also ties back to one other piece that I think makes this region very strong, which is innovation.
1: Okay, yeah.
2: And so our entrepreneurial ecosystem here is um, stronger than, quite honestly, anyone's on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Don't let Miami. Sell you a fast one there because right. we are dominating on the East Coast when it comes to entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. startups, and diverse founders, Yeah, which is incredibly important. But when I think about, you know, winning strategies that I employ both professionally and personally is, um, I, and this is a hard one to learn, but I think you learn it over time, which is don't be afraid of failure.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And that is part of that innovative mindset, right? The entrepreneurial mindset is they start things all the time. Mm -hmm. They fail. They pivot. They move to the next thing. And I think that's really hard when you're starting out in business. I think it's also difficult in personal life to take risk. Now I'm an engineer, so I don't take risk without taking a calculated approach (laughs) to it. Um, But I do think being able to say I tried and I failed and I learned is very important to having a winning strategy and we see that across the sports universe as well right rebuilding teams rebuild all the time yes you know it's not a great product or they lose a lot but ultimately that's getting them positioned for something better and so I'll I'll harken back to the t-splast yes sorry for the wonky name yeah, yeah. but in 2012 our region was asked to go to the ballot box and vote on a tax yeah. to fund transportation infrastructure um, and we came in second place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the nose won. Yeah. The A's did not. But here's what happened from that failure mm-hmm. is that that led to a greater conversation in the community about what the needs were. And it allowed our elected officials to come back to the table. And in 2015, yes. we passed a better funding mechanism sure was. that is now allowing an extra billion dollars in funding to go back into the state of Georgia, which is basically a double what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And so that's where, you know, from a winning strategy perspective, I often think about the ability to take risk. Yes. Not to fear failure. And it's also okay to own failure. Yes. Right? Because I think if you have a good reason for your decision set, then the failure actually is a little bit less controversial. So that's Mm -hmm. one piece. And then the other piece I would share, and again, these are things that I have to practice. I'm not sure I've managed, you know, mastered these yet. Sure. Is um, listening Mm. and empathy. Yes. And they go together. And listen, I'm a mom of two boys, so listening is very important, Mm -hmm. especially when you're in the car. Uh, So, you know, listening is fundamental to culture. It's fundamental to your family and making sure that every, every voice is being heard. And then empathy must come alongside it. Because we can never understand where that person is at that time and moment unless we listen with an empathetic viewpoint. And I think leaders with a high emotional quotient are those that are more successful because they're willing to put themselves in the seat of their colleague to try and understand where they're coming from. Wow. And so I think empathy and listening, I think both professionally and personally, are very, very important.
1: You know, Katie, I've really, really uh, enjoyed talking with you today because I learned more about you than I thought I, I ever even knew. But I think the last thing that you just said really kind of goes back to the first thing that you said, that empathetic conversation with your father. Yeah. Um, when you were looking to make a change and saying, I don't want to be an engineer anymore. And he kind of put you on a path of saying, now you're going to keep doing what you're doing. And uh, through your trials and tribulations and experiences, have ultimately led you to where you are today, one of the most powerful roles and position uh, that I can say that I'm very proud to to know you as a friend and a professional. Uh, And we're looking forward to having you back as well, too. Thank you very much for this time. It's been really, really exciting.
2: Thank you, Cassius. I appreciate the opportunity.
1: Thank you. We appreciate it. This segment is brought to you by the Global Leader Group, and we are really excited to see Katie here today, and we're looking forward to seeing her in the very near future. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you. Uh, see you back soon.
0: Is this the year you want to grow your business? Do you want to expand your team, build a new office? Hey, it's Tug, and I want to tell you about First Liberty Building and Loan. Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later you're dealing with a new person? You won't have to with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s and they can help you too. They know the patterns, they know the ebbs and flows, and they know business. Now the Frost family wants to know you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, or expanding. Reach out and spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. FirstLibertyGA.com. By the way, if you're a young banker and you want to work with a team that's faith-friendly with a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to First Liberty Building and Loan at FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com.